Hello, 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 hello. How's it going? What's up? I'm RJ. This is Gut Instincts Podcast. Hey, thanks for clicking the play button. Thanks for coming by. Guess what? Guess what? It's been pretty intense lately. The full moon has been pretty intense lately, and I know many others have felt it as well. Uh, Craziness, right? So, I'm here. It's been a, uh, it's been a pretty delightful day, to say the least. Got my hands on a big, nice, giant piece of jackfruit. I don't know if any of you know what jackfruit is, but it's a pretty interesting fruit. It grows giant 20 pounds, maybe more. And uh, some people say you even need a, uh, it should come with the user manual, right? Because there's all sorts of uh, situations that you have to go through. But what I wanted to share with you is I got a, you know, I like it a little bit crunchier, a little less ripe, but uh, it was wonderful, and uh, it just takes really long to break down. It's like, um, I was talking to my wonderful friend about this, this is the thing about uh, why food tastes so much better when you put your hands in it and when you put your energetic, your love energy in it. And that's what it is, you know? You break down a giant fruit, takes forever. You get, like, the guanabana, the guava, uh, the, you know, um, that fruit you gotta dig into. You gotta spend some time and pull out all the seeds, and it's, uh, it's quite amazing. It's, it's a wonderful feeling. But the jackfruit has this crazy sticky goo with it, and I totally kind of don't remember, didn't remember that last time. And uh, yeah, it's pretty epic. It's pretty epic, you know. Like it does not come off. Uh, they tell you to coat your your stuff in olive oil, and I didn't do that, but that's okay, cause you know why. I still use my gut and. I've been eating just loads of uh, vegetables and fruits, and I suggest you do the same, because it makes me feel better, so I know it'll make you feel better. So, and, you know what else? You know what else? It's time for, it's time to roll this up. That's what else. Smoke more, too, to feel better. Um, today we have this absolutely unbelievable gift from a friend of mine that we're rolling up. It was done with lots of love in, uh, what they'd call no-till pots. That's what this episode's all about. So if you're sitting there going, oh, he hasn't said a thing about this episode. Yeah, so that's what this episode's all about. Usually you could skip to about 10 minutes, and that's when the when the episode actually starts. I mean, this is a, this part's a, 
it's a little one-on-one, -on -one, if you will, okay? It's a little one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, welcome to Gut Instincts Podcast. Thanks for hanging out. Um, we are using our guts. We're questioning everything. Today, we're talking about soil, and we're questioning the fact that there are thousands of pounds of pesticides, fertilizers, and chemicals, synthetic, mind you, being used in our conventional agricultural system. And that's another thing that we need to take into account when we're looking at and buying foods, vegetables, fruits. Now, I'm all for local and in-season. That's your your first priority. Second priority is safest for your body, right? Or maybe the first priority is safest for your body. You want to eat food that hasn't been sprayed with chemicals and pesticides. And not just because it's probably going to make... Well, it is. It's going to make you sick. Um, it's also making the environment sick. This herb has sort of a slight minty smell. Maybe socks. I don't know. That sounds like a turn off. <laughs> it's really not, though. It's wonderful. Okay, so... What they call no-till uh, just means it's living soil. It's soil that there are worms living in it. There are little... There are all sorts of uh, beneficial microbes, fungus, that sort of thing. Every grower is different, of course, and depending on the year, depends on, I guess, how how well the pots are, are built. I'll be honest, I'm still learning. I mean, you know, I'm not professional. Uh, I'll say that over and over again. You know we're we're just we're just chatting about things that uh that seriously need to be talked about that we need to be questioning the fact that there's literally no reason other than the awful uh repetitive techniques that are being used uh in the industry now um so yeah that being said. Thanks again for clicking that wonderful button and tuning in. And I want to let you know, you can go to my website, rjmartins.com, and check out more fun uh, fun stuff. I'll have some recipes up by the time you listen to this, because I've been doing all sorts of stuff. Getting all, uh, you know, just getting things ready to share. And so that being said, grab your joint, grab your fat one, roll one up if you haven't packed your bowl, if you got it. If not, don't worry, there's plenty of us who are going to... partake 
and this for you. So sit back and relax. Get really excited. Get your lighter. We're going to talk about soil. That's what we're going to talk about. Soil. Just soil. Soil. And uh, why it's so dang important. Because it's under your feet. It's under your feet. All right, let's go. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Okay, so welcome to Gut Instincts Podcast. <clears throat> I'm RJ. This is my podcast. And now you're part of it. This episode is about soil. They estimate about 50% of our soil has already been stripped. So, you factor that right off the bat. It's pretty... It's pretty extravagant. It's something that we need to deal with. How do we add more soil to the earth? We compost. We recycle more. We plant more. (coughs) (coughs) We let nature naturally break down topsoil into bottom soil. Okay. So... In the summer, when plants grow, they utilize the energy from the sun to convert the sugars from the ground by using the energy of the water in the sun, right? And hopefully it provides vegetables and fruits for your family and loved ones. Um, What does it do come fall? Why do we call it fall? Because everything starts to fall. Well, when this happens, it's adding more nutrients to the ground. So... When the leaves fall, when branches fall, when fires erupt. These are all natural ways to enhance the soil diversity and life and nutrients. Okay. Now... How do we create soil that is otherwise deficient. More abundant, full of nutrients, right? Without without the idea of fertilizers. Okay, so that's what animals have to do 
with this whole situation. Okay? I do not, and you should definitely not be... Um, you know, a part of the CAFO establishment or funding it in the sense of um, giving it, buddy. You can do whatever you'd like, but it's definitely not it's not healthy for the environment nor our bodies. So it's actually not just not worth spending the money. Uh, the difference between your local rancher or grass-fed rancher. I mean, this is a whole episode on its own, to be honest. It's called rotational grazing or intense rotational grazing. I don't like the word intense, but essentially, uh, farmers utilize living animals in a way that reflects nature, right? That imitates nature. So, you have a plot of land, and you break it into four sections, and <clears throat> each section is three months worth of, right? Let's say, worth of feed in the, gra in, in the form of grass. You figure out how many animals can graze on that for three months. You fit that number exactly. You let them graze and move them to the next plot while following behind them come the next animals. Now you're thinking, wait a minute, hold on. Now hear me out, right? The soil can literally be just rough, like dry. I mean, it could be really, really rough. That depends. You know, if the soil is that bad, then it just, you've obviously got to, you know, start off with, with something. Like goats. Uh, or something that's not picky. Okay, so what I'm getting at is basically, right, cattle... Uh, or larger animals. We can go larger or smaller. That, that'd be easier. Larger animals come by and they pick certain uh, certain foods, certain types of grasses and such, right? And they, they roam and they graze. And they have lots and lots of droppings. And they move on. And this neck, the, the second... Yeah, the next neck... Wow. My words today, my friends. Okay, so what follows them is the next smallest animal, or the next largest animals, which would be like your sheep, your goat. And if any of you know, sheep are not picky at all, right? So they just devour all sorts of stuff. And remember, while they're doing this, they're walking on the previous... animals, you know, where, where they've been going and, and, and such, all their poops are breaking down. You see what I mean? It's all, right? Okay. 
So they're going and they're doing their thing and then they move on. Who follows them? The smaller animals like the chickens, the ducks. Uh, they're going to eat all the flies. Right? They're omnivores. So they love those bugs, those mealy worms. So, okay. Guess what? All those begin to show up. Why? Because those other animals were here. So they you have their their poop, their uh, everything, right? So so you figure now these little ones come in and do their thing, and what's left is just a really vibrant, clean compost, if you will, or layer, right? Um, usually you can do pigs, uh, you can run pigs, I believe they go before the chickens, don't quote me, I'm not a f rancher, but I worked with one, and this is how I got, uh, a lot of my insights, okay, but I had to put the pieces together, because Remember, the label grass-fed, the label organic, it's already been trashed. I mean, it's the organic label doesn't mean anything. It hasn't meant anything since even before I began eating organic. So once you realize that sort of stuff, then you begin to actually ask, okay, let me use my eyes to see, rather than just judging by what's given to me. See, this is why, my friends, I'm big on visual truths. Because anything that you're getting secondhand is just that. Secondhand, it's not. Right? So, I don't know how we go so far off topic. This episode's about soil. I hope you're here tuning in. Um, I hope you like my episode so far and I hope you like this one we're gonna get a little bit more into soil how you ask okay so we, we we've we've learned that we can add our soil back that we've we've stripped uh, now, then, then you realize maybe that's the links between the deficient or plants that don't thrive or have problems is the soil. The soil is not up to par, if you will. It's not thriving. And the ecosystem within and without, which is the top and the bottom, is not stable. Everything is reflections. Everything is a reflection, my friends. So basically, what I'm getting at is, uh, the abundance underneath the soil of bacteria, microbes, worms, and life is what actually creates the life above. 
and basically how how that is is because the plant really doesn't do anything per se other than express its genetic code makeup whether it thrives or not is based on the environment so when the soil has this life it's like a breakdown of cycle it's like the breaking down of the nutrients or the the transitioning of nutrients within the soil by these organisms right and there's t there's just so many different levels so many different levels my friends so many but for now we're doing this we're enjoying this wonderful um, wonderful herb that I got my friend and we're talking about soil and why it's so important and you see how we've linked the whole local rotationally grazed grass-fed rancher uh, importance into this uh, so we almost have to make sure we embrace this while we transition away from the CAFO establishments for those who want to still eat meat. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm going away from meat myself. So, you know, I'm just focusing on life and everyday consuming life. And I do understand the importance, as you can see, because we're talking about it of animals and I and I think it, it it's it's a big part of of what we're gonna do here in in the future and how we're gonna give back to the planet right because besides that you should be growing your own food you should be planting plants so you can eat Wow. Alright. You know what? This is what I mean. I had to run from you really quick. Uh, <clears throat> as I stated earlier in the show, I was taking apart the jackfruit. And this is like, you know, over an hour, my friends, of prep here. If you didn't do it, totally worth it. Like I said... But hey, what I did uh, was boiled the seeds, and I'm blown away, my friends. I'm blown away with the taste that is uh, lingering in my mouth. Uh, it's quite awesome. Kind of like a chestnut, but maybe a little sweeter, or I don't know hard to put my finger on it, but, um, yeah, boiled them, now they're in the oven, and I'm just gonna roast them so I can get, uh, the shell, you know, that'll come right out, and then I'm gonna chop them up, probably season them, 
I think I'm going sweet this time. I don't know. I could go savory. But uh, it's always nice to have something sweet. They seem like it'd pair pretty good with some sort of honey. Or maybe not. So, if you're sitting there going, I already smoked all of mine. But it'll end up again. Because we're going a little bit deeper into soil. And this time we're talking about uh, vegetables. And why us going out of our way to get foods that are not sprayed is helping. Not just the soil and the planet, but... Uh, the actual vegetable itself. I don't know if you've noticed any fruits lately. The insides can get very, like, white. Sort of like a foam. Dense, like a foam. It's awkward that that's what it reminds me of. Because what else would they want a fruit to be like if you're... If you want it to stay viable and ship it for days and days <sighs> right you want it like foam what I'm saying is just be aware just because something is organic doesn't mean it has been sprayed and something that's not organic may have not been sprayed if you just know what you're looking for and what what the signs are these days, I, I no longer even buy papayas and mangoes because they're spraying them unbelievably. And how can I tell? Because I cut inside it and I taste it and it tastes like tox... Like, I can't eat it. I can't. I can't eat it. Like, it hits my tongue and it starts to burn and it literally takes, like, Windex, like, some sort of chemical. I mean, I can... You can't get one by the obviousness, right? So. The reason why they spray the pesticides is because they don't have the natural predators or pests there. Uh... There's just this weird idea that there's supposed to be no pests at all or, you know, or bugs or anything on, on plants. And that's just false. I mean, obviously some attract more than others, but when you're planting them in a permaculture, permaculture style, which is like planting multiple species in one area. Which, if you're sitting there going, oh yeah, well that makes sense. I'm glad. Uh, because when I first came across permaculture, I was like, wait, what the f Why don't we fucking do that all over? <laughs> it's so obvious, you know what I mean? It's so obvious that monocropping and monoculturing, so planting the same plant in, on acres doesn't fucking work. And you know what? I mean, I don't even think cannabis should, like I the same thing with cannabis. If, I mean, if you're doing hemp, I, I'm sure we're going to need the acres and acres to divert us 
to help divert us from using plastics because everything that hemp can produce, plastic uh, produces right now. But the thing about hemp is it's a natural uh, pesticide. It's a, it's a natural pesticide and you know when you're growing these different plants together you not only have the ability to watch them coexist but you have the ability to watch the amount of wildlife butterflies pollinators show up, right? When there's chemicals in the ground or in the air, they don't want to be around. Pretty simple. I don't we don't want to be around chemicals either. We have been sort of uh flooded with chemicals and such. But this is sort of sort of inadvertent, and I'm pretty sure the rabbit hole goes deep on that one because I'm sure there are multiple layers to that. So <clears throat> when you when you care care for the soil, you start thinking, well, yeah, but the soil that I have doesn't work, so I got to do a raised bed. That's that's good and all, but if you just begin to inoculate the ground with food scraps or cardboard and uh, maybe even some manure from your local farm add that in there and layer that and then you can even bring in some soil because you'll need soil this is what I mean you're gonna need soil because if it's already stripped you know why not bring some more in but remember, it's up to you to keep it clean, if you will, like, and when I mean clean, I mean full of life. Full of life, no chemicals, no fertilizers. Fertilizer is, is food because it, if the food doesn't exist already in the ground, the food existing in the ground is things like the fertilizers left from animals and plants. So if you inoculate the soil and you prep that and you get it ready, as many of you know, shout out to your my organic no-till friends my beloved uh, stewards of the earth you all truly make me smile every day 
And it's because of you that I keep... Keep striving for more organic, local abundance for everyone. Which means supporting your local farmers, friends, helping family, friends, local communities grow. Plants, gardens. Honeybee projects happening this spring. Till then, I'll be working on the website, getting you those recipes. Thanks for tuning in. This is it for me today. Gut Instincts Podcast. We talked about soil. We talked about living soil. A little bit about what no-till actually means. And, uh, thanks for clicking. Lots of love. Truly appreciate it. Peace.